You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, hey, we're back with a very special episode of Fly on the Call, featuring Vinny Caruana of I Am the Avalanche. If you don't know, I Am the Avalanche is gearing up for the release of Dive, their first album in six years. Dive is 10 tracks of punk rock anthems that include the listener in a way that not many albums do. Our conversation hits on what makes this Avalanche release special, parallels between Dive and Avalanche United, how the post-production process kept Vinny centered while quarantined with coronavirus, and much more. This is certainly one of my favorite episodes of the show to date, so strap in, sit back, and enjoy. This year alone, you've released the live solo album, EP with Constant Elevation, LP with Peace Out, and now you're getting ready to do this uh, Avalanche record. Um, can you just like tell me a little bit about that and how that all those projects came together? Uh, we had finished the Peace Out. We had, the Peace Out record we finished like six years ago, and we never released it. And then everybody was home and not touring, and had time to go. Oh, we should release that record. Um, Constant Elevation, we had just recorded songs because we were all in the same city. The, 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 the solo live album, live double album, I should say, we recorded on the last uh, tour I did before the pandemic. I just got really fucking lucky that when this happened, I had all this music, like unreleased music, to uh, share with people that were interested in it and who wanted to, you know, check it out. And who were kind of um, experiencing a rough, weird year, you know? It was nice to be able to share a bunch of music. Yeah, and I mean, I'm always curious to hear, like, from artists who have multiple projects about the kind of, like, timelines. Like, how do you know what songs are right for which projects, and how do they kind of, like, intersect? With Pieced Out, that's, that stands on its own. It's a weird, psychedelic, heavy band. Um, I don't write for, for the band. Constant Elevation is a fast kind of hardcore band. So that's not really, you know, that also is easy to kind of stand apart um, from the other stuff. There's definitely been a few times when I've written what I thought was a solo song. And one of the guys in like Avalanche will be like, oh my God, no, like that has to be on our record kind of thing. Um, And so I'm always open to that because solo songs are always so kind of bare bones that they can be made into a rock tune. And so, yeah, there's one song on the new record, the new Avalanche record um, that definitely was going to just be a solo tune and, and we, we, we made it a big kind of a big old avalanche tune. 
Uh, and yeah, with the Avalanche stuff, we, we just got extremely lucky with that too. We had planned to record from late January until like early March, like, and we did. And we finished March 15th, like right before lockdown. Yeah. And I'm curious, you mentioned, um, the solo song turning into an Avalanche song. What was that kind of like process? Like it was, I, I showed, I showed me and Mike Ireland always like send each other voice notes of like songs, not, not necessarily avalanche songs, but things we're working on. Cause we're just like musical peers, you know, and we like to bounce shit off of each other. And, um, I showed him this song. I was like, look what I wrote this morning. I, 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 I didn't even get out of bed. I had like this little ukulele kind of guitar next to my bed and I didn't even get out of bed. And I wrote this entire song in like 10 minutes and um i sent it to him and he's like wow that's really cool that's really vibey blah blah blah. way later down like maybe three four months later down the line you know i was like we were trying to pick what songs we were going to record i was like you know i remember you saying you like this song and it's kind of just sitting there and i don't know like we i'm not convinced it's a it, it can be an avalanche song but we could at least try um, and so we did. So we didn't, we kind of left it where it is because it was kind of written already. And so when we went in the studio to record the record, we like cranked up the amps, like, you know, we were all in the same live room kind of jamming on it. Um, and we came up with cool ways to like restructure it a little bit. And by the time we were done with it, we we're just kind of like, oh, this is totally an avalanche song. Like it's kind of reminiscent of like, you know, maybe one of the uh, maybe one of the more ballady kind of slower anthemy ballady tunes on like the first Avalanche record. It kind of reminds me of that. So it's kind of the way it sits on the record. It kind of exists um, as kind of the the ballad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So would that be uh, Love Song sixty nine? Yeah, that's Love Suck 69. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> nice. And um, I remember like when Wolverines came out, you said how I'm the Lynch kind of always wanted to make a 10 song, 30 minute album. And that was kind of like your shot at it. Um, I'm curious what it is about that kind of like more compact format that appeals to you. And was that like a specific goal this time around? Or is it just kind of how it worked out for Dive? I do have an affinity with 10 song records. I think that's the perfect amount of songs. Um, I guess I was like, you know, I'm thinking 10, I think we were looking at what we had. Um, and I was like, I think 10 songs is perfect for what we have. Um, nice and concise to the point we were very confident that we would have kind of a banger after banger situation if we did that. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it was pretty conscious. Like I mentioned that I thought it, it could be a 10 song record. Um, Mike was totally down with that. Rat was down with that. So yeah, we just kept it, kept it nice and even, even 10, you know, honest full length. Um, I don't know how long it is. Probably. I don't even know. It's, I it's 20, like 31. 31. <laughs> there we go. Something we're like over that. a half hour. Uh, and this, I know the last song on the record is the longest one. So that, that one actually brings the average length up quite a bit. I know there's some two minute songs on there. Yeah. And I think in one of the either podcasts or interviews that I read, um, you mentioned that you wrote like 20 songs for the album. What was the kind of like process like whittling that down? Once we wrote all year, me and Mike would meet like once or twice a week and just write. 
Um, usually we would come up with a new song um, and we would kind of just keep piling up these songs. And once we, we got home from a tour we did together, both as solo artists, and um, we knew we had like another month. And we started getting serious about like which ones we wanted to fix up, which ones we could um, maybe, maybe didn't have it all going on, but maybe certain parts we can take from songs that we're not gonna use. I always love that. Like if you take one cool part from one song, like you can get an entirely different song out of it. And that, you know, this record came about in a lot of interesting ways. So like, you know, there, there's one song on the record where I had like drunkenly hummed something into my voice notes. And I was just, it was like our last session and I was curious as to if we could beat any of the other songs. And so I started working on this song, like that was just me humming this thing and it became the second song on the record, which is You're No Good To Me Dead. But it basically came together in that very organic way. And like we, once we got a month out, we started whittling it down, you know what I mean? Like a bunch of songs took the backseat. We stopped paying attention to them and we started paying attention to like finally tuning what we did have and what we did like, you know? For sure. Yeah. And is, is that kind of like typical for the I'm the Avalanche writing process or was this the first time that you'd written that many? Oh yeah. We've never written that many songs. Um, we've never been so prepared, <laughs> but, but we weren't as prepared as we thought because we did like, chop a few of them like in the studio songs that we were sure were going to be on the record we were like you know what i think we could beat that but yeah this is the most like time we've spent writing we would tour so much you know mm-hmm. um back in the day and so this this experience was definitely more of a structured like routine writing sessions like weekly with the goal of you know releasing a record for sure yeah and i mean i've seen you mention before how you kind of feel like Wolverines didn't quite hit with fans in the same way the self-titled and Avalanche United did. And now you're also, you've been saying that, you know, dive is pretty much your new favorite punk record of all time. Um, yeah. Can you like compare your feelings of, uh, on the two records at, or like going into them? Yeah. I mean, Wolverines, um, Wolverines was a different scenario. So Mike and Kellen had left the band because of their careers they couldn't do the touring thing anymore they really wanted to kind of start to move on and uh i insisted that mike be a part of the record um he did not play on it but he did submit songs for it which i wrote over um so he was still involved and kellen was no longer in the band either but he still played bass on the record so you know the family unit was still intact and there was still an open door for people to collaborate with us, even if they weren't going to be in the band full time, mm-hmm. um, which I always liked about us. Um, and so, yeah, Wolverines, like, I don't know. I, I guess Wolverines is my least favorite Avalanche record. Um, I like it. I like, I think it's got some of the best Avalanche songs on it, but not, it's got the least amount of awesome songs, I think. L- looking back, you know, um, it was really kind of just me and Brandon and Rat in the studio and, you know, Kellen popped in for a few days um, and that was the way that worked. Um, So it was a little bit of a different approach. Um, We still were lucky enough to have everybody involved. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think there's, 
Wolverines, I, I like. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't like it as much as the other records. So I, I can't, I think I agree with, uh, those who, those who kind of like the other stuff better. <laughs> and, and I mean, can you talk a little bit more about why, uh, dive is your favorite record and you know, um, what like feels so special about it to you? It's just got this true avalanche spirit. Myself and Mike have gotten to a new level with our songwriting and the way, the way that we communicate with our music and the way that we collaborate. I just think that we come up with cool shit that, that really feels like this avalanche vibe that just doesn't exist unless we're, unless we're working on it together, you know? <laughs> it's just very special. I think, uh, I think we're just better than we used to be. <laughs> I think we, I think we, I think we've gotten better at what we do and I think it shows. And I think we know what avalanche fans want too. We want the same things out of avalanche, you know, <laughs> I just put the record on my top 10 list for the year. <laughs> I said, I don't care. Like if there's what, there's like one avalanche record every five years or so. Like this is special. Like this is on my top 10 list. I listened to this record, you know, um, I don't sit there and listen to myself all year, but certainly when you're going through all the mixing and all the post-production and everything, like you get, you get, you listen to it a lot, you know, I really do love it. Mike texted me earlier today, actually, he said he listened to it for the first time in a while and that it's just like his favorite thing. And he's so happy about it. And like, dude, that's amazing. I mean, we, we get to have this record forever now and we're just thrilled about it. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned the kind of like post-production process and I've seen you talk how, about how that kind of like really helped keep you occupied throughout the extremely long year that this has been. Um, and like listening to the mixes while you were like literally quarantined, having COVID. Um, can you talk a little bit about that, you know, that post process and, you know, just how it, your view was going into it? Sure. So we, um, we locked down, um, we got finished on March 15th. I immediately got home from the studio and went to like every single fucking store in Brooklyn, trying to find all the things my, me, myself and my wife needed to be able to lock down, you know, like enough food, enough, you know, dry goods and all that shit, like toilet paper and all that shit. So I believe that I got, I caught coronavirus doing that. <laughs> I got home on the 15th after we wrapped the, the record and um, I ran around seriously to like every store in my neighborhood, like far foraging, like what, whatever was left so that we can sustain ourselves. And uh, I wasn't wearing a mask or gloves cause they hadn't told us to do that yet. <laughs> and so uh, I caught coronavirus pretty quickly and I gave it to my wife and we were both sick for like three weeks. And Right around that time, Rat, our drummer, who Brett, we call him Rat, his name's Brett, right around the time that I was feeling real sick and real down and real confined, <laughs> you know, um, he started sending me mixes. And that would be something I would look forward to so much. I would sit there staring out the window, like standing by the window where the sun would be coming in. And just getting my son, considering we didn't leave the apartment for like two weeks, and just listening to mixes and making notes and not rushing it, you know, there was no rush. I had all the time in the world every single day and really just finely tuned all the mixes and he would come back and 
every each time it would sound better and better and then another song would be going so you know over the course of like two or three weeks maybe even a month we like went back and forth a bunch on 10 different songs and um yeah it was like the thing that kind of kept kind of that was just something i could look forward to every day and something that you know listening to new i'm the avalanche music like mixed and recorded and mixed and like that was special because that could because i'm just listening to go this is a special record i don't you know this is something that we all love so much and it's so much you know it's so us you know and um and that that's an important part of my life is the avalanche and just uh I'm glad it, this record was there for me. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I've, uh, with the songs that are out so far, I've seen a lot of people say like based on, they are like songs for 2020, like lyric wise and stuff. And I, I know obviously it was written prior to all up to everything, but um, I'm curious, like during that time of the pro- post-production stuff, did any of the songs like meanings start to change for you? I mean, it was pretty staggering seeing how much of it was applicable to like this year. Um, you know, a little bit, the last, maybe the last few days that I sung, I did change a few lyrics to like, because I knew what was about to happen, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, mo- like most of this stuff is written in 2019. And um it really just seems like it was written yesterday, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a little spooky. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of hope on this record and that was what I was kind of, you know, we needed, you know, things weren't fantastic before any of this year. Um, and I just wanted to put some hope out there um, for anybody that needed it, you know? Mm-hmm camaraderie kind of like plays a big role i feel like in the message of i'm the avalanche and you know and the way the fans act out like shows and stuff themselves you know i feel like that's part of what you know makes seeing an i'm the avalanche show special and um you said the dive is kind of like a friends and family record that includes the listeners uh, can you talk a little bit more about that i just noticed that there's a lot of like there's a lot of moments on the record where I'm talking like directly to you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and it's, it's not something that like, it's not something that was, I don't know why, but it came so naturally that that was going to be the vibe. I wasn't, you know, not, not every song is like that, but there's certainly just like, I'm, I'm speaking to the listener a lot of times. And that's not really something I've done very often in any of my songs. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it, the fact that we're all on it and we're all doing the gang vocals and we're all, you know, everybody like put their fingerprints on it, like it feels it feels like a reunion like a like a family reunion kind of vibe, you know what I mean? <laughs> and and the 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 people that come to our shows, they really are like I feel like there's not like any like fringe avalanche fans you're like either love our band or you just don't even know who we are or care (laughs) who we are so when people do come to shows it is very uh everybody in the room knows every word to every song um and it's really cool and so like you know i think about you know as this shit was going on i i think about everybody you know i think our life is touring you know i see a lot of the same people coming out to shows and shit all after all these years I was thinking about everybody and that that's part of the reason we decided to release it this year and not hold on to it until we could tour 
because we just wanted we wanted everyone to have the record you know what i mean um i think if anything um everyone's going to listen to this record and know all the words and by the time we can play shows like we're going to be able to play any songs off of this record and they're not going to be old songs or anything we're going to have a good time making a set list you know what i mean for sure yeah that's just definitely super exciting Ugh, I wish I could fast forward, dude. <laughs> I mean, with the live show being such kind of an integral part of I Am The Avalanche, how has it kind of been not knowing that you're going to have that this time around? It sucks. It's super painful. Um, but I know that we're all doing it. Uh, we're all dealing with it. Um, every musician, every music fan, we're all dep- deprived of what of what we like to do. We like to be at shows. We like to um, We like that community, you know? And we like that feeling when we all, when we're all singing the same song together and, and uh, in that moment together in that city, in that bar or in that club or whatever. So, you know, I know that I'm not alone. I know everyone's going through it with me. Um, I'm going through it with them. And that's uh, definitely a major theme. You've been you know, very active on uh, stage it this year. And I feel like more so than other artists, you've been pretty frequent in the past as well. I'm curious how those have kind of helped you and what your mindset is going into them versus a, a live show. Yeah, I've done lots of live streams. Um, basically, I played so many shows because the first time I did it, it was very obvious that like people in the UK wanted to be down and wanted to hang and people in Europe too. And I couldn't do like, there wasn't a time that I could do both shows, uh, do one show where like both the United States people and the UK people could all watch at the same time. So I started playing on Thursday nights, like UK time and then Sunday nights, US time. So I ended up doing two shows a week for a long time. Um, and it was incredible. It was great for me. Um, I get to. I had something to look forward to. I dug way deep into my catalog and learn, like, relearned tons of songs. I think I've performed at least over fifty songs um, throughout all these shows. Fifty different songs, and um, I think people appreciated it too. It gave them something to do when we were super locked down. Like that was something to look forward to for all of us. Um, as far as preparing for them, you know, I didn't have to stretch. <laughs> I didn't have to like, I would just set up a little show area in my apartment and my wife would help me. Um, she was kind of like my tech support and she and I would have like a shot and a beer and I'd play a show and it was something that we all like experienced together and it's been super, um, helpful for, I think everybody involved, like, for the people that needed that kind of hang, I certainly did. Um, it worked out for all of us. And are there any plans for any full band avalanche stuff? It's a little, the, the answer is yes, but it's a little complicated because we all live in different states. Um, and not all these states can travel to each other right now with the travel restrictions. So um, the answer is yes, but we're just... Uh, trying to figure that out when it when the time comes it's going to be really special because I, i'm not too bummed like i don't i don't mind like not playing like a live stream right when the record comes out to do a full band live stream that would be ideal but i think it'll be cool for people to get to know the whole record and then we can like play the whole thing for everyone you know we could do a few shows like play all the old bangers and hits and shit and then we can play 
um the new record in its entirety too for sure yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> fucking god i would love to do that and even just a live stream with 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 a full band like oh, that'll be great so yeah in the in the near future um we'll be doing some avalanche nights where like everyone can come and hang and i don't know drink beer listen to avalanche it's, <laughs> it'd be cool yeah, for sure. Um, and you mentioned earlier, you know, how Brett, in addition to drumming, has produced everything for the band since Av- Avalanche United. And, you know, you've worked with him on many of your other projects as well. Can you talk about how that kind of process goes for you and, you know, what's how it's kind of changed over the, over the years, especially as he continues to work with, like, more unique and well-known bands? Yeah, he's gotten better and better with his production. He's, like, totally on top of his game. You know, he as Avalanche was learning who we were, um, you know, out of the first record and being like, all right, now Avalanche United is much different than the first record. He was kind of learning who he was and he was teaching himself how to produce an engineer. And um, honestly, like he's versatile enough for me to go and uh, do whatever I want to do in that studio with him and we can have a different outcome every single time. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's important. Like if I didn't think that was um, something we could accomplish, I'd probably work with somebody else on it, but he knows me and we work well together. Um, And he understands where I'm coming from when it's, whether it's, Hey, we're recording a new avalanche record or Hey, I'm recording a new solo record. You know, I make it clear with him, like for the aging Frontman release, for example, I made it really clear with him, like, you know, let's vibe out on some shit and make sure that this is going to work, you know, cause this is way different than anything we've ever done. And if anything, like he showed me like how versatile he is. So, you know, I, I love to work with him. We have a few other friends who are in production as well. Sometimes we work with, you know, we have like a crew of people that we collaborate with and he's always first on the list though. He's, he's, uh, he's special. And the way you've been kind of talking about Dive, it sounds like it's kind of similar in spirit and kind of like the way you connect with it to Avalanche United. I'm curious if you feel like there's a relationship between those two records. I think there is. I really do. The whole punk anthem kind of thing definitely exists um, on Dive in the way that it did on Avalanche United, but we we kind of go back a little bit too and add a little sprinkle of the first record too. (laughs) There's certain tracks on there that are definitely a nod to like the first record and the people who, who love that record and who were there back then. (laughs) So, but yeah, they're definitely kindred spirits. Um, Avalanche United and Dive are uh, definitely cosmically connected. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting. They're both the two six year gap records as well. (laughs) It's just, uh, yeah, I, I, I can almost guarantee that there won't be that long a wait um, this time. Me and Mike have already been talking about writing together and getting another record going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, how was it coming back this time around? What was it kind of like? Uh, you know, how did you know it was time for another Avalanche record? Just really Mike being Mike talking to me about it got me excited. I'm like, all right, like I'm always down to do it. Um, you know the fact that he was excited and he wanted to write. And um, I was like, you know, I, I'm totally ready for that. 
and obviously shows were part of it that we would go and do that and travel together again as a group and but it didn't happen um but no like it just felt totally naturally us sitting down drinking beer with guitars like that was what we said to each other we were like all right next week instead of drinking beers in this bar let's drink beers in your dining room and write a record you know what i mean like that that uh is never a bad idea sure yeah and i mean i i fell in love with the self-titled album first um i think it was probably close to 2009 so it'd been out for a while um and then I found, you know, the demos that were out for like Amsterdam and Brooklyn Dodgers. Those were, I think those might have even been a little bit old at that time. Um, but then after that, I kind of, since there was nothing new from the band, I kind of honestly forgot for a little while. And then I came back probably like a year after Avalanche United came out and I was like blown away by that. And I'm just curious, like, what was the kind of like the gap between those two albums? Like? Um, it was a little funny. So like we had toured a lot on the self-titled just basically having fun saying yes to like every tour we just wanted to be on the road like drinking beer and partying and visiting cool places and having fun and you know forging our friendships and um we did that for a while and we got back into new york we a lot of us had bartending jobs we were all making money we were demoing music though um and our demos are really weird like our the demos for avalanche united were like yeah sure like brooklyn dodgers and amsterdam but i'd say there were like eight other songs that would have made a really weird full length (laughs) um that nobody's ever heard um we went through a lot of weird phases we also didn't put all of our attention on avalanche we were having fun in new york we had met we had all met girls, some of which are like our wives now, you know. Um, so we were kind of working in the city, getting getting into the city life, you know, being bartenders and having fun and maybe not paying as much attention to the band. Um, but throughout the whole time, we were writing music together. And I don't know, I guess it kind of set the tone that there were no rules with I Am The Avalanche, like... You know, we're just going to release a record every five years or so. You know, that's just how it It's just, it wasn't planned that way. It's just how it works. Mm-hmm. It makes that much more special when it does come back together, though, for sure. I agree. And I've seen you talk recently a couple of times about uh, your love for the Grateful Dead. And I've actually gotten into jam bands over the last year. Uh, Fish is kind of more my personal favorite, but um, cool. so, some of the Dead shows I've listened to have definitely blown me away. I'm, I'm curious what it is about them that you kind of connect with. And are there any like show recommendations you had for someone who wanted to check them out? Honestly, like I'm such a fringe uh, dead fan. So like a lot of friends growing up would like fish. Uh, I'm sorry. Dead would the dead would be on a lot and they would always be live shows. And I would always just kind of enjoy it, but never really like ask what it was or like, Oh, what shows this or what song is this? I didn't really care enough. And um, honestly, like, I I don't listen. I listen to live shows and shit just as like, it's a very soothing band for me, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, It's nice to drive to through, like, like to drive like through the, across the whole country and stuff. Um, Listening to the dead, uh, especially like a three hour show, it'll kill some time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
honestly my favorite shit um it's in i know like dead purists will be like oh, you know i don't like i don't have like favorite shows or anything like that but like i just think american beauty as a studio record is like one of my favorite records of recent memory mm-hmm. um that's it's just a great record it's great songs um i know that's the record they kind of broke through and kind of broke out of their jamminess a little bit and started concentrating on crafting songs a little bit more. So I, w- I would suggest just listening to American Beauty. Um, I think that's like a 10 out of 10 record. I listen to it like a few times a week. But yeah, I've been around like jammy friends and I've gone to see Fish with a friend of mine I grew up with who's heavily into that shit. He likes the dead. He likes Jerry Garcia band. He likes Fish. Like in college, he went and saw Fish a lot. Um, had a great time watching Fish play. Um, definitely dig um, the Dead's music more. Um, but I, but um, I like fun. You know what I mean. And I like nice people. Like you'll never meet nicer people at any like than at these shows. You know, it's just you know it's a different kind of community, but it's rem- reminiscent of the communities of like punk and hardcore and things that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I definitely connect to what you were saying about like just being able to throw it on and like chill because my fiance calls it easy listening for me because I just don't have to think about it because typically like I'm a very album oriented person so if like during the work day I would would be like queuing up a new album every 30 minutes so it's like so much easier just to have like two shows (laughs) have that play in the background while I'm working yeah it is easy listening um and yeah it soothes me yeah I, I feel that way about it too Oh, and on the episode of uh, the Band on Band podcast that actually went up, I think, just a couple of days ago, you mentioned um, that around the time of self-titled, you were pretty into psychedelics. And those are something that I'm definitely intrigued by, but uh, I'd be curious to hear, you know, kind of about your experiences with them. Um, I've eaten a lot of mushrooms in my life. Um, I don't... Uh... I know there's people out there that enjoy acid and I have in the past, but um, I find as a 41 year old guy with uh, who lives in the city, I think that uh, I think just nibbling on a few mushrooms is, is all, all I'm up for these days. Um, But I've had some real adventures. I've had some amazing times. I've had some really difficult nights where it just didn't go well. But Mushrooms and I have had a relationship since like 2004 where I've eaten a lot of them back then um, and uh, went to some great places. I I believe that the mushroom is one of the most important things put on this earth for for humans. I think that there's a major connection uh, with the human soul and mushrooms. And I don't just mean like um, psychedelic ones, just like, you know, there's supplements that I take like all different types of cool, like mushroom things that we're looking up and figuring out. And then we have some friends that make tinctures and all this stuff. So there's a lot of mushroomy products in our um, home, uh, psychedelic and, and then not so much, Mm -hmm. but that's a, that's a journey uh, of my own. Like I, uh, my wife does not take part in any of that stuff. But I like to be out in the woods with some buds, have a fire, listen to some music, have a laugh, get a little bit weird, and then go to sleep. I don't want to get weird and then just stay up all night, like, 
you know, shaking in my sleeping bag because I'm on my 11th hour of like a full on trip. Like, I don't, I don't want that anymore. I just want to nibble on some mushrooms and feel the electricity. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. <laughs> oh, and then, you know, I, I always like to wrap up the same way by um, asking for either like a piece of advice, a piece of advice or something you've just been kind of thinking about lately that you would like to share. Sure. Um, I think, uh, I think that uh, it's really a difficult year in so many ways and being an American right now is extremely stressful. Um, and I think that, there are bad people out there that, that want to, you know, that don't want the best for you <laughs> and that have, you know, racist views or things that, that you hate. And I don't think the hate is um, going to get anyone anywhere. I think my best advice to anybody who's struggling with, you know, the amount of negativity that there seems to be. And I live in New York City where we hate fucking Donald Trump here. Um, you know what I mean? Um, I think something that, I, um, and I, it's really simple and really, um, easy to do. And I think it's really important that we make time to stop and talk to the man or woman that's sleeping on the street. I think it's important that instead of serving ourselves all the time, that we think about what we can do for other people. Um, a, a small interaction with somebody in your neighborhood who seems lonely or who seems like the world forgot about them, you know, like a simple little interaction with them could like change their whole day for sure. And, um, you know, next time you're going to go spend, you know, 50 bucks at a bar, maybe you can spend 50 bucks, you know, buying some sandwich stuff and some bottles of water and, and, Think about what you would want if you didn't have a home and you were sitting there alone. You know what I mean? Like, I think doing random, like wake up one morning when you have nothing to do and say, all right, well, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something awesome for somebody. Or I'm going to go and bring these people lunch. Or I'm going to go and talk to this person and see how I can help. Like that kind of shit. Um, I think enough people doing that kind of shit and just randomly like random acts of kindness can really spread. And I know that sounds really like, um, I don't know, like hippie kind of like dreamery shit, but it's not true. I see it every day. Like I see how it fulfills me, um, trying to help even just little things. I fuck I'll even just a conversation with somebody who is being walked by. Everybody's walking by this person, not acknowledging them not acknowledging that they exist and uh, any little thing that we can all do, that kind of shit spreads and that energy kind of carries. And I think that can help um, dilute some of the fucking total negativity that's in our country and in our world right now. That's all. And I mean, apart from the actually getting up and doing it yourself, are there any like organizations in that kind of vein that you've connected with? I've been, um, I've been raising money for um, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, we did some stuff for um, women, women's rights, ACLU stuff, basically human rights stuff, you know, <laughs> um, through music, through shows, and through, like, online campaigns and shit like that and things that I can offer people, 
you know, through music that I can generate, like, just try to help, you know, and just be part, not be part of the problem or not just stand like idly by, you know what I mean? Like, which I have for a good portion of my life. So just become a little bit more active and a little bit more conscious that our fellow humans, uh, you know, need us. And um, the rest of it is honestly like, I'll just hit up a friend of mine and I'll be like, meet me here. I need help passing out sandwiches and blah, blah, blah. And we'll just walk around the streets, occasionally have a shot and a beer in a bar and <laughs> keep ourselves warm and just roam around. Just, we call it spreading joy. That's um, awesome. Where we just say, Hey, you want to spread some joy tomorrow? And it's like, yeah, let's do it. And so you can, I mean, you'd be surprised like how much, how many people's like days you could change with like 50 bucks get a bunch of bread, get a bunch of blah, 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 like, you know, and there's no, you know, some people on the street just want a $5 bill because they're, <laughs> they want to feel the freedom and the liberty of like being able to buy something like on their own. Other people are fucking freezing. They want to fucking drink. It might keep them cozy. Cool. Here's a little whiskey. I know that, you know, some people don't, you know, some people on the street don't drink. Some people on the street are on the street because drinking got too much of a hold of them so we just talked to everybody like what do you need what can i get you kind of thing that kind of shit is fucking fun and it makes you feel good and it also like reminds you of how lucky you are that you're not in that position you know how many times in my life like i could have ended up sitting on the street sleeping on the street if i didn't have like a support network and like a family and brothers and parents here and friends that like not everybody has that, you know what I mean? They need, they need us. And they are people just like me and you, like for real. I, like we could be, we could be in their position in, in a fucking heartbeat. So. Yeah. That, that's really admirable. And I, I think it also goes back to what I was saying earlier about like camaraderie and I'm the avalanches music. Yeah, exactly. Family style, positivity. I don't know. We just, it, it even if you want to just make yourself feel good <laughs> and you don't have as much compassion uh, in your heart, um, if it's only self-serving, then everybody wins either way. So even if you just want to make yourself feel good, um, I think that can be a good habit to get into instead of, what am I going to do this week for me? You know, mm-hmm. um, I think I, that's something that... Uh, it's a hobby that I I, should, I recommend some people start getting into because it, it could make it can make quite a difference in people's lives. Yeah, definitely. Um, and is there anything that uh, we haven't hit on about the record that you've been really itching to get out? Um, just yeah, just November twentieth, the whole thing's out. Do what nobody does anymore and get the whole thing, or put it on Spotify, or buy it, or do whatever, and sit down and listen to the whole thing. Yeah, we said it's what, only 30 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> for anybody who's interested in the new Avalanche, like this is a rare thing. This is once every five years or so. So check out the record when it comes out on the 20th and give it an honest listen. And try to tell me that it's not our best record and we will argue. And there you have it. I bet that chat went a couple of places you weren't expecting. If you don't know I'm the Avalanche, you seriously need to check them out right now. Avalanche United is my personal favorite of theirs and a great place to start, though their entire discography is full of bangers. If you saw this week's hint, you'll know that I'm the Avalanche is one of the few bands I have tattooed on me, 
representing two of my favorite songs of theirs, Symphony and Holy Fuck. And if you don't know about the hints, be sure to follow Fly in the Call on Twitter and Instagram at FlyInTheCallPod. I post a clue every Monday teasing that week's guest, and if someone gets it right, I let everyone know. You can also follow the podcast Spotify playlist, where I add tracks from the guest on Tuesday, whether someone has guested or not, to give you a chance to familiarize yourself with them before the episode drops on Wednesday. So check it out and pick up or stream Dive when it comes out on November 20th. Fly on the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane Palermo for the artwork. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at flyinthecallpod at gmail.com. Now go out and spread some joy. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.